So I just want to read that first verse to you one more time as we move into uh, this today. It says, Come behold the wondrous mystery and the dawning of the King. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, how the light of life has come. Look to Christ who, condes who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. This morning, I just want to reflect on that light. I want to turn our attention to the nature of light, to, to God's light that has come. And, and as we speak about the nature of light through the Bible, and the, the scripture is jam-packed with, with descriptions of, of light, of God's light. And it's really compared to the light that you and I receive from the sun. There's a, there's a direct correlation in, in many ways. In Psalm chapter 97, 1, it says, the psalmist writes, the light dawns for the righteous, and, the, and joy for the upright heart. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, For it is God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You know, um, uh, when Teresa and I were doing youth work, uh, we used to do this thing called uh, on-site Bible studies. And we would actually take kids to different places, and then we would correlate scripture to that particular that passage. And this one that we were uh, reading had to do with the light of Christ that that shone in great darkness. And there just happened to be out towards the gun club, and I don't think it exists there anymore. So don't go looking for it. But there was this cave that was uh, blasted in the rock. It was uh, from an old mining. Uh, trial that didn't go very well, but this cave actually went in about 30, maybe 40 feet, and it kind of went in. You, you climbed up this bank, and then there's this huge hole in the in the solid rock, and you look down it, and uh, you, and so you could see the hole, and then and then you just it, the, the 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 tunnel just kind of veered to the right, and uh, so we had I don't know we might have had like 15, 20 kids with us, and we go, okay, we're gonna go in this cave. And, uh, and we're going to do this Bible study in this cave. And so we, we, uh, we, we had flashlights, and we went in there, and, and, uh, and so we got all the way to the end. And it was tall enough to stand in. So we we're all in there, and I just said, okay, we need to all cram into the very, the, the very end of the tunnel. So we're all in there. And then I said, okay, now turn off your flashlights. And they turned off their lights, and I'm telling you, it was pitch black. I mean, you, there was a little bit of light from the tunnel opening, but not much because there was enough turn that it was pitch black and the kids just began to scream and freak out. Some of them tried to get out. And I said, nope, you got to stay. We got to stay in here because this is where we're going to do our body, our Bible study. And they're going, well, how in the world can you read? And so then we lit one little candle and we held it up and we read the passage that Jesus is the light of the world who came to save people from their sin. And we began to share that story, and it just that one little light. I'm just going to tell you something. When that one little light went on, everyone just went crowded to that light. It was just the most amazing thing. I think it was the closest our youth group ever got to each other. Okay, it was just amazing. But, but as we talk about light and the nature of light, one of the things that we need to understand is that light is amazing. The the light that we see, the natural light, and then as we, as that is uh, compared with the light of Christ, it's just amazing to see the parallels in it. Tim Keller 
in his uh, book, Hidden Christmas, breaks down the nature of God's light into three categories. I'm just going to do some little highlights from, from there from his book. And it says, light brings light. So from Isaiah chapter uh, 60, verse 1, arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And as we think, it goes without saying that, that there would be no life on earth if there were no power, no warmth, and no light of the sun, right? We know that. That's biology. Okay? We know that. That's, that's just simple biology. Every living thing depends on the sun for its existence in one way or another. The light provided by the sun not only enables life, but it enhances the quality of life as well. I just know for Teresa, she loves light. When there's light, she just comes alive. Okay? Um, and, and that's just amazing, just to be around that light. Um, this morning, I was reading my Bible and, and uh, just prepping, and I got up. It was still dark, and all of a sudden, this glorious sunrise just blew up in front of us uh, and, and above to the side of Mount Rainier. It was just amazing. The, the, but it's just, so it just reminds us, God is reminding us of, of the power of light. When uh, the Apostle John writes uh, about Jesus as the light that came into the world, he says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. According to John, light or light brings life. And life came in the form of light, being Jesus Christ himself, as John explains in John chapter 1. Jesus later in John chapter, uh, John chapter 8 said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So not only is Jesus the light of life, but he is the truth. As it says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So life, or light brings light. Light reveals the truth. The light of the sun allows us to see the truth of how things are, though that is not always a pleasant experience. And let me just explain. You know, sometimes the, tr the truth that the light reveals is not always easy to accept or embrace. It's like doing a, a remodel job. How many have ever remodeled something on your house? Okay, you remodel, so you tear into this wall, and it's it's a place where things have been wet. Okay, it's a place where things have been wet, and then, so as you open up this wall, you find nothing but soggy sheetrock and soggy uh, insulation, and then you pull all that out, and what do you find? Black mold. And you just go, oh, I wish I hadn't have found that. I wish I hadn't seen that. The light exposed the darkness and ugliness of what was inside. Psalm 36, 9, uh, the psalmist says uh, of God's light, in your light do we see light. Think about, think about that for just a moment. What is the psalmist saying in that statement? He, I think he is saying that God, uh, that only by, the light of, <clears throat> only by the light of God that we see any light or any truth at all. So it's only by the light of God that you and I see and understand what is really happening in our life and in our world. Jesus claimed that he came to bear witness unto the truth. He's standing before Pilate as he says this. And we, if you remember that, Pilate even says to him, well, what is truth? And Jesus said, I came to, uh, to bear witness unto the truth. In other words, he is the singular means by which you and I understand and know God. 
This, the third thing that light is, is light is beautiful. For most of us who are blessed with the ability to see the, the, the beauty of a sunrise over the, over the ocean or the beautiful sunset against the western hills stirs our hearts. It just, just blows us away. I am always blown away by that. The light of the sun is brilliant, beautiful, and a source of joy for all of us. And even though we are, uh, even those who are blind find great joy as they bask in the warmth of the sun's light. The writer of Ecclesiastes, uh, King Solomon himself, said, the light is sweet and it is pleasant to the eyes to behold the sun. So beauty on the earth is at best an elusive concept. As much as we love it, as much as of what we could see, it's, it's an elusive concept. We are drawn to it, but then it disappoints. I was watching this incredible sunrise this morning, you guys, and as I watched it, it just began to fade into nothing. It was gorgeous. It was spectacular. It made me applaud. Okay, I, I, was, I was blown away, but as I began to watch it, and here's the thing. Usually I take pictures of sun, sun, sunrises. By the time I had my camera in my hand, it was gone. It was already gone. So we are drawn to the beauty of light, but it disappoints no matter how close we are drawn to the, uh, uh, the creative beauties of, of earth and all that the earth offers. We are never satisfied by um, what they were never meant to do or never meant to be. You see, here's the thing. The beauty of the earth, the beauty of the sun, the beauty that we experience every day was never meant to be something that we would give our devotion to, that we would give our hearts to, <clears throat> that we would worship. It was never meant to do that. The beauty of the earth, the beauty of the sun, the beauty of light was meant to point us to God and God alone. That is what we need to remember. Augustine <clears throat> identified this struggle like this. Our hearts will never find their rest until they find their rest in God. <clears throat> whatever, beautiful, whatever beautiful thing we think we desire, what we actually desire is God himself. The nature of God's light is best seen in the person of Jesus Christ, who is life, who is truth, and who is beautiful. So what about darkness? What is the nature of darkness? In verse uh, 2 of Isaiah 60, it says, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people, the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. So what is the nature of darkness? The nature of darkness is, is the noticeable absence of light. Darkness does not have any of its own properties. It is defined by what it... it uh, uh, not by what it has, by what it is lacking. And yet the darkness for you and I is real. And, uh, and for living and walking in darkness means that we are estranged from the light, which means that we are cut off from the source of light and the source of truth and the source of beauty. This is what the psalmist said as he described human life in Psalm 36 when he said, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes with his iniquity, uh, uh, in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. 
He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. That is the description of the heart of man. The heart of man that walks in darkness. Those who dwell in spiritual darkness hate the light of God, which means that they are easily swayed by the lies of the evil one, believing, believing that their sinful ways will not be exposed. How many of you have ever thought or ever made a choice to do something that you know was absolutely wrong? Let me just start there. Okay, all of our hands should be up. How many have ever thought no one will ever see or know? Do you understand what I'm saying? The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it when we actually think that it is hidden? But it is not. It is never hidden from God. But Jesus said, for all who seek, uh, for all that is secret will eventually be brought to the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. <gasps> that will just scare the ebgbs out of us. It's in Luke chapter 8, verse 17. It is, it is any wonder that those who walk in darkness are hostile towards the things of Christ. The light of Christ offends because it reveals what we wish to remain hidden. The truth of God's light reveals our falsehood and the beauty of his light reveals our wretchedness. And yet Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to save us and we should be thankful for that. That's what the Christmas season is all about. That's what Advent is pointing towards. Jesus personally took on our darkness so that we might inherit light. Zacharias, the prophet, was prophesying in, in Luke, uh, and it's quoted in, uh, 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 he was the, the priest that was on duty at this time, and he prophesied because of the tender mercies of God, of our God, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give us light to those who sit in darkness and in, in, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. As the song points out that, we've, that we're singing uh, during this Advent season, Jesus Christ himself has come as the light of light. And we have to ask the question, I just want to challenge us as we read scripture, as we sing songs. For me, I always... I used to do this with my parents all the time. We ask why questions. Parents, you can relate to that, right? Your kids always ask you why. Okay, well, it really demands an answer. It's not because, you're, because I'm your dad or I'm your mom. When kids ask why questions, they want answers. And we have to ask, why was it necessary for Jesus, the light of life, to come? We have to ask the question. And here it is. We are all in need of intervention. We need intervention, you guys. And you might say, well, what is intervention? No one likes, I'm just going to tell you, no one likes intervention. I have sat through endless times with people, families, in periods of intervention, and I can tell you with 100% uh, certainty that no one likes intervention. The person who is being confronted and the person who is confronting. It is not fun. It is just not fun. 
I'm speaking as an avoider, okay? It is just not fun, but no one likes intervention. And intervention is when people gather around a loved one to confront them about a condition that is causing harm and even damage to that person as well as to all of those around them. That's what intervention is. It's trying to stop them from moving in a direction, a, a direction that is damaging, a direction that could even lead to death. The advent of Christ, of His coming, is the redemptive story of God's intervention. When the angels announced to the shepherds uh, the, the, the statement, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Think about the word Savior. Unto us is born today in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's what God is saying. Here's what He told the shepherds. Here is the announcement that God is saying, not just to the shepherds, but to the entire world. Under no uncertain terms, He is saying, things are not good and mankind needs help. That's what God is saying in the sense of the context of a Savior. Things are not good and mankind needs help. So let's just reflect on this intervention from God just as we, as we begin to wrap up things. The beautiful world that God created was now broken and groaning. The direct result of the rebellion of the ones that he had made in his own image had placed uh, and had placed his guidance and provision of and, and uh, providing love upon. That's the context as we go all the way back to Genesis. The evidence of its brokenness were everywhere from the inner recesses of the hearts of people to the violence and corruption of government, to the existence of plagues and disease. Sure, there is still beauty to be seen, but the whole world groans under the weight of its brokenness. We feel that. We experience that each and every day. It would have been just for God to stay His distance and to let the world quake and groan. It would have been a just response to the arrogant rebellion that brought this bro uh, brokenness on this world for God just to remove his hands completely. It would have been just. But the one, uh, but, but, in, but in one glorious mystery of God's sovereign grace, he looked on his broken, rebellious world with eyes of mercy. In one of the most glorious mysteries of God's sovereign grace, he looked on his broken, rebellious world with eyes of mercy. Yeah, God. God would act decisively. And in his, uh, in his actions, uh, his actions would be what he had planned from the very beginning. You, you guys, we need to understand as we, as we read the scripture from beginning to end, it is God's redemptive plan from beginning to end. That's what it is. It is his story. It is what he planned from the very beginning. And when he decisively put his actions into play, he had planned it from the very, very beginning. But it would stun you and I. It would stun and surprise you and I as people. His response would not be one of condemnation and judgment. His response would not be a meeting out of justice. Rather, his response would be intervention and rescue. Intervention and rescue. 
He would do in grace what the law could never do. He would do in grace what we could never do for ourselves. He would offer the only thing that would ever address the needs and solve the problem. God himself would do that. He himself would become the greatest, most costly, most transformational gift ever given. That is the message that we reflect on in the Advent season. God, the light of the world, would take on human flesh and invade his sin-broken world uh, with his own, with his wisdom, with his power, with his glory, and with his grace. He didn't descend to a palace. Instead, the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the sovereign king over all things would humble himself and take on the form of a bondservant. He would live on our behalf the life that we could never have lived. He would willingly die the death that you and I deserve to die. He would rise from his tomb and conquer uh, sin and death. He would suffer every single day of his life so that, that he could, with his life, give grace to rebels to extend love to those who would deny his existence, impart wisdom to those who think that they know better than him, and extend forgiveness to everyone who seeks him. His coming... His coming stands as an affirmation that he will not relent. People, God in flesh would not relent. He will not be satisfied until every microbe of sin and suffering are erased. Amen? That is why he came. He came to restore you and I that he is called to be his. He is the light that has come for you and me. He has come. And I just want to encourage us as we step into this time of, of season that it's so easy to get caught up in the in the just the, the the everyday, to get caught up in all the things that are happening. And I encourage you as individuals and as families, as children, as young people, that you would that you would focus in on the light that has come, the light of life that has come. And then ask yourself a question, how has that life changed my life? What is different about me because I believed? Because I received the gift of life that he gave me. Reflect on it. Marvel in it. Worship in it. Embrace it. And share it. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing just that first verse of come behold the wondrous mystery one more time. Just as we reflect the body of Christ, come behold the wondrous mystery. We're going to sing just verse one. Just verse one. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the key. He the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our 
light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh and ransomed us. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you, Lord, that you have come, the light of the world, to rescue us. God, we give you praise and glory and honor. God, we are humbled. We are humbled that we, rebellious, broken, sinful people living in darkness, lost, groveling, seeking, somehow trying to replace you with things that don't work and don't satisfy. God, we ask for your forgiveness. God, open our hearts this season. Open our hearts to you, the Son of God, who came willingly to take our place as our substitute so that we might be made right with you. God, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, fill our hearts with oneness as we fellowship together. Lord, drive away all division. Drive away disunity that that blankets our world. Drive away confusion. Lord, let us and our lives be lights that would be examples to the world that we live in. Lord, that people would be drawn to our joy but then see you, not us. God, that's what we ask for as we move into this time and in this year of reflection, of pondering. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would be lifted up and glorified, not just here in Eatonville, but across the world, Father. May the light of Jesus Christ be seen. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Yeah.